Uh, this morning, uh, we are going to uh, finish off this month uh, that we have been spending together in the book of Revelation uh, in December by looking at Revelation chapter 21 uh, together. Um, and to kind of prime the pump a little bit for the new year, we'll actually be going back um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and tackling the book of Revelation as a whole in the first part of 2021. Uh, so next week, we will begin with some background stuff that's leading into the book of Revelation uh, together. Uh, but this morning, we are, we are going to take a, take a look at the next to last chapter of the Bible in Revelation 21, uh, in the new heavens and the, uh, and the new earth. Um, and so we're going to read together here in just a moment the, the end of the story in as far as we know it. Um, C.S. Lewis in his, uh, in his Chronicles of Narnia, when he was ending his Chronicles of Narnia, he talked about how uh, they were entering into the beginning of the great story uh, on earth, one that no one had yet to experience, but which goes on forever and ever and each chapter is better than the next. And so we're going to scratch that surface a little bit this morning with Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. And this is God's word for us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, ask God to help us understand his word uh, this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, we, we come to you um, with thankful hearts uh, that you are a God who desires relationship with us. Um, and that you have not left us in the dark, but that you have spoken to us through your word that we read together this morning. And as we come to the end of your written word, and we think about what it is that you are doing and moving everything toward Jesus, we pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would open our hearts and open our eyes and our minds to receive Christ, to receive his finished work, to receive what he has already begun and what he promises that he will do. Um, in every conceivable way, will you help us to receive that this morning? Uh, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Anna Rubencam is a, an artist uh, who is a stone carver. There's not that many of them uh, in, the, in the world today, mostly because it's a, a really 
it's a really difficult kind of art form. Um, it takes wear and tear on the body. It's really expensive uh, as well, too. But a few years ago, uh, National Geographic did a short uh, biography on her and on her work. Um, it's about nine minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. Would encourage you to go and to watch it. But it's super fascinating to me because what a stone carver does, uh, much also like a sculptor who sculpts clay, is they take this solid mass of something and they chisel and they whittle and they shave and they shape and they mold away things from it to bring forth this, this beautiful end product. Um, and in this short documentary, you see her make the bust of, of a woman. And you see it from start uh, to finish. And it's a really incredible thing as she starts with this big block of stone and she chisels away and she shapes and she forms and she fashions and she molds that to have this really, really beautiful end product. Uh, in Revelation 21, what we are getting to see is the ultimate stonemaker, the ultimate sculptor, God, shaving, shaping, molding things and presenting this beautiful, beautiful product of a new heavens and a new earth, and he brings it to us himself. And we dwell with him in it forever. And so this morning, what we're going to take a look at in Revelation chapter 21 is is that, and this is kind of like the main point, is that we are a new heavens and a new earth people. We are a new heavens and a new earth people. And what Revelation 21 shows us is that we are becoming that by a couple of things. The old passing away and the new coming in. So we're a new heavens and a new earth people. We are becoming that by the old passing away and the new uh, coming in. So that's our outline uh, together this morning. So let's think together a little bit about that first point of the old that is passing away. In verses 1, verse 4, and verse 8, so on three separate occasions in these eight verses, we get this idea of the old passing away. The former things passing away, um, uh, certain different things like murder and stuff like that, like being, being shaved away from what it is that uh, God is doing in the new heavens uh, and the new earth. And so it's, it's prominent in these eight verses, this idea of the former things or the old that is passing away. Now, for a moment, let's, let's slow down and think about uh, our context here. Like the original audience that would have been receiving uh, these words, the seven churches that this letter is being written to. If you'll remember, uh, the first Sunday in December when we took a look at Revelation 1, we talked a little bit about what life was like for the church in the first century. Um, God's people at this point in time are enduring incredible persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire. And it's going to get worse. It's not, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Like God's people are being faced with having to give their lives for what they believe. There's incredible persecution. There's incredible suffering that is going on. And John gives them the book of Revelation. And John gives them the book of Revelation not as some sort of code book to crack, but rather to offer a living and everlasting hope in Jesus. And so these words in Revelation 21 of the old passing away comes to the people of God as encouragement, as hope, as comfort, 
as the, as the promise that this too is going to pass. That even in death, life is going to come. And so that's how this comes to God's people here in the first century. And their lives and everything that they were going through demanded a view of life and the world that was beyond their circumstances. And that was beyond just self. That had to be bigger than that. And these words offer that view. And so as we come to this passage... A question that I have for us is, what in our lives demands a view of life and the world around us that is beyond our present, our here and our now? That is beyond just self? What is it in your life and in my life that demands Revelation 21? That demands new heavens and new earth kind of hope? Maybe you're here this morning and and 2020 has been particularly difficult. You felt particularly isolated. You, you, You felt particularly depressed by everything that is going on in in the world around us. If that's you, if that's you, then your life demands this kind of of passage demands Revelation 21. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been for years struggling with chronic illness, chronic pain that just doesn't seem to go away. Like we need this word. We need the word that the old is passing away. Maybe you're here this morning and you have loved ones who have cancer or maybe you're going through your own cancer struggle. We need to hear that that will be gone. That Jesus will redeem that too as well. In this particular time of year, I find myself thinking about uh, loved ones that I've lost. That I miss a lot. Maybe that's you as well too. That too demands this kind of of passage, for the loved ones that we got the chance to spend a lot of time with and to know really, really well, for the loved ones that we only got a short time with, even for the loved ones that we maybe never even got a chance at the joy of raising them. Our lives demand this kind of hope that we read about in Revelation 21, the brokenness that we experience. But you can even turn it to in, the, in, in our own sinfulness, in our own sinful hearts. Like what sin struggle is so heavy for you right now that it demands that Jesus is going to ultimately and finally and fully make that pass away? Is it pride? Is it greed? Is it lust? Control? Approval? There's so much stuff in our lives that demand this passage. There's so much stuff in our lives that we have to have a view of life in the world that is beyond just the now and beyond just the self. A kind of view that says a new heavens and a new earth is coming and the old is passing away. And John even tells us exactly what that looks like for us in verse 4. 
John tells us, here's what the old passing away is going to look like. God himself is going to stoop, and he's going to wipe the tears away from your eyes. That pain is going to be no more. That mourning is not going to exist. That death won't even be in our subconscious. Like not even an option. Not even anything that we will, we will think about or consider or ponder on. That's what it looks like for God to stoop down and to make the old pass away. He also shows us that the old is passing away in verse 8 as well too. Like murder, gone. Sexual threat, dishonesty, backstabbing, manipulation. All of that stuff. So if you're here this morning and you have suffered at the hands of incredible wickedness, you need to know that Jesus is going to give that the judgment that it is due. That Jesus will even redeem that. That Jesus will even make that pass away. We are a new heavens and a new earth people. And that means that the old is passing away the old of brokenness, the old of our own sin, the old of the sin that is done to us. Jesus is bringing a new heavens and a new earth, and the old is passing away. And the second thing about us being a new heavens and a new earth people is that the new is coming in. The new is coming in, the old is passing away. Verses 1 through 3 and verses 5 through 7 really get at this idea of the new that is coming in. And we are told in this passage that God himself brings heaven down to earth. There is a new city that is here now. And that God dwells with us here forever. That is what the new coming in looks like. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up um, in a, I grew up in, in a Christian tradition where I learned that the ultimate end and the ultimate goal was to get away from here, was that we were ultimately like going to escape earth and creation, that God was going to like totally destroy it. We were going to escape it, and maybe what we would do is we'd like live in the clouds, maybe we'd become angels one day. That's the narrative that I grew up with. And what I want us to hear this morning is that is not the narrative of Scripture. We have a four-part story of creation, rebellion, redemption, and restoration. God does not destroy creation. He brings heaven to earth and he makes all things new. He does not make all new things. He makes all things new. One of my seminary professors um, Put it this way, and I've always really appreciated it. He said this, God doesn't make trash, and he doesn't trash what he makes. Like a sculptor, he's taking away that old, and he's presenting this beautiful new heavens and new earth where he comes, and he dwells with us here together forever. And if we'll remember the whole of Scripture, this isn't the first time. This isn't the first time that heaven comes to earth. Genesis 1 and 2, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. Heaven and earth were one. But we know how the story goes. Rebellion, like rebellion ripped it away. 
But God's done something about that redemption because he brought heaven to earth again. He actually took on flesh and became the living word, the living story in Jesus. And now what he's telling us in Revelation 21 is Jesus is coming again fully and finally and sin will not separate God and his people any longer. He is bringing heaven to earth and we will dwell with him here forever. We are a new heavens and a new earth people. And this, this really actually means something for us right now. It means something for our lives right now. And John even knew that as he was writing that to these people. Because he, he paints this beautiful, incredible picture of God bringing heaven to earth and the, the new city and God dwelling with us. And we are his people and he is our God and all of that. But he also knows, God also gives John this revelation knowing that they're going to endure really, really, really difficult things. And so he says, look, there's encouragement along the way too. Verse 6, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So John writes this. It is such a sure thing that the new heavens and the new earth are coming. John is saying that you can bank your past, your present, and your future on this. All of that. Incredible. And then, and then John even goes on in verse 6 to say, look, I've also got this for you as well too. I'm telling you about the new heavens and the new earth, but know this too. To those who are thirsty, oh man, I'll give them the water of life. You know, this isn't the first time that John has written about a living water either. If you go back to John chapter 4, you see that Jesus encounters this woman from Samaria at a well. And he tells her where she can get living water that will be everlasting. And so John is writing this to God's people to remind us that we always need Jesus. We never stop needing Jesus. And so what it looks like for us to be a new heavens and a new earth kind of people is that we are growing in a deeper understanding of our need for Jesus and seeing how Jesus meets us at every single turn. That the man who knew and knows everything about us has come to save us and give his life for us. And so what that means is that the pattern of our lives is a pattern of repenting and believing the gospel again and again and again. Because as we grow in Jesus, it's not that we need Jesus less. It's that we see how much more we need him. And so being a new heavens and a new earth people means that we are growing in that grace. That we are a people who are repenting and believing the gospel and reminding ourselves again and again and again that Jesus came and he went to the cross and he shed his blood and he broke his body for yours and my sin for our forgiveness that we would have life and we would have flourishing in him. And we would also have the promise that he is healing our brokenness and the promise that he is going to bring heaven to earth. 
one day, and we will dwell with him here forever. But it's also even more than that, too. God's grace is lavish. In verse 7, what John shows us that it looks like for the new to come in, and that's being a new heavens, new earth people, is that we are conquerors in Jesus. That Jesus has fully and finally conquered sin and death. He has brought us in, and along with him, we too are conquerors. So that means that the pattern of our lives is repenting and believing, and what God is doing is he is growing us in that. He is making us into who we are in Jesus. He is making us conquerors. And so we grow in that grace. Here's what that means. That means that we can actually say no to sin. That in Jesus, we are empowered by the Spirit to say no to sin. We are empowered by the Spirit to say no to greed. We are empowered by the Spirit to say no to selfishness. We are empowered by the Spirit to say no to lust. We are empowered by the Spirit to say no The approval of that person is not going to chain me down and be my identity. We are actually empowered by the Spirit to fight sin, to be the conquerors that we are in Jesus. And so that's what it looks like for the new to come in, for us to actively, actively pursue Jesus and actively fight our sin struggles that we have. We are actually empowered to do that. And the other thing is, is that knowing that the new heavens and the new earth has infringed on our now, (laughs) like that it's real and it's here, Jesus has come and he is coming again, that does give us a view beyond the now. It does give us a a view beyond the self. And so what that means, I'm going to apply this really particularly here, is that we are a people who do not have to operate out of fear. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's been highlighted in 2020, but it's been going on for quite some time. But the language of our discourse and our culture is the language of fear. And being a new heavens and a new earth people means that that we don't have to operate out of fear. And that, that is true personally, but it also has a broad application to it as well too. It's true personally in that you and I don't have to operate out of fear because we know our future is certain in Jesus. And so whatever may come when we walk out of these doors... We know, as Jesus' people, that we will get to be with him. And that he will one day bring heaven to earth and us along with him. And we will live here fully, fully physically, fully spiritually, fully emotionally with him. And so we don't have to fear about our future. And if you're here this morning... And, and you're struggling with assurance about that. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with assurance about, about the future thing, my question for you is, are you going to the well of living water again and again? 
Are you going to Jesus again and again? Because if you're going to Jesus again and again, the way that Jesus meets us is says, stop doing it on your own. I've done it all. You don't have to operate out of fear. You can operate in rest. You can operate in peace because I am the Alpha and the Omega. It is done in me. And so personally, we don't have to operate out of fear. The broader application is certainly in this year, and maybe, maybe even before this year, I feel like something that I have observed within Christians and within the church in America is this tendency to operate out of fear as well, too. That, that somehow... That, that, that somehow we are going to like lose the message of the gospel and lose the, the, the message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, that that's somehow like going to go away. And so that what that produces, uh, what that produces in people is, is, is a lot of skepticism, is a, is a lot of a lack of trust. Um, is operating out of that, uh, not operating out of, out of charity and gospel confidence, but out of, out of fear that somehow and in some way the gospel is going to be threatened so much to the point that we're going to lose it. And what Revelation 21 shows us is that that is not possible. We will not lose it. It will not go away. Jesus is strong Jesus has conquered. Jesus can stand on his own two feet. He doesn't need a people to be defensive and to feel threatened and to just be skeptical about everything and approaching everyone, even each other in that way, but rather, rather what the new heavens and the new earth means is that we are a people who are freed up to be excited about the gospel. We are freed up to proclaim the message that there is hope in this broken world. To proclaim the message that Jesus has come, His life, His death, His resurrection is what defines all of history. And we can be excited about that. And we can pursue people in that. And we can pursue relationships in that. And we don't have to feel threatened all the time. We don't have to be skeptical towards everybody. We can be excited about Jesus. That should change us. We are a new heavens and a new earth people, which means that the old is passing away and the new is coming in. And as we await for God to bring heaven to earth and to dwell with us here forever, we are the same people as the people that this book is written to. And so the last words of Revelation 22 are our words as well too. We testify that the Lord Jesus is coming again. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Our story is one of creation, rebellion, redemption, and restoration. May the grace of Christ be with us all. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this meal that you have prepared for us. A taste of the new heavens and the new earth. A taste, Jesus, when you will come back and you will make all things new. 
and our struggles with sin will be no more. You will heal all of our brokenness. You will wipe the tears away from our eyes. Help us to be a people who long for that day and help us to be a people who are excited to proclaim that message. The hope that we have in you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we know that you are the one who does this work in us. We pray these things, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in your name. Amen. Beloved, um, our God wants us to leave here this morning knowing that his blessing is upon us. And so let's stand and receive that blessing. We've made it. We've made it through the Bible together. That's awesome, isn't it? Yes. God wants... God wants you and me and us to know that we are, we, we are a people of his story and that his story is a story of redemption and restoration. And so hear this blessing that comes from God's word, walk out these doors and live in light of it. Be excited about the gospel, beloved, because it's true. The Lord will bless you and he will keep you. This week, his smile is upon you and he will be gracious to you. And the rest of 2020 and 2021 and forever and ever, our God's presence is with us and Jesus is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come and make us whole. Go in the peace of Christ.